You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. If you guys want to open up your Bibles to James chapter 5, and if you don't have your own copy of Scripture, that's going to be page 1013 in the Pew Bible right in front of you. 1013. You know, church, a story is told. Everybody always busts on me whenever I start something by a story is told, but it's just my thing, so, you know, whatever. But a story is told of a young boy whose parents promised him a watch if he would be on time for school and church for one month straight. So after successfully completing his task, the boy wanted his watch. However, with money being tight, his parents told him that it would be a while before they could purchase the watch. And so day after day, the boy impatiently asked his parents about the watch, and day after day, his parents told him to wait. Finally, after many days of incessant asking, the boy's father said, if you mention watch one more time, you won't get one. But the boy wasn't giving up that easily. And every night before dinner, the family was accustomed to reading a Bible verse before saying grace. And so when it came to the boy's turn to select a verse, he loudly read Mark 13, 37. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. (laughs) Smart boy. Church, no one likes waiting, even though it's something that we're forced to do every single day. In fact, I've heard it said, this is crazy, the average person spends close to an hour a day waiting for something. Think about it. We wait for traffic lights, elevators, coffee, drive through lanes, checkout lanes at the store, we wait for our turn at the DMV, computers to load, we wait for our spouse to be ready. Some of you are waiting for the sermon to be over with. We wait, we wait, we wait. And when you add up all of our daily wait time over the lifespan of 70 years, get this, the average person spends three years waiting. We spend three years of our lives just waiting. But you know what this tells me, church? It tells me that waiting isn't always problematic. It's actually providential. It's clear that God designed our lives, at least in part, to include periods of waiting. You see, the problem is not in the waiting. The problem is in what we do while we're waiting. When God makes you wait, do you make a fuss or do you move forward in faith? Lamentations 3.25 says the Lord is good to those who what? Wait for him to the soul who seeks him. In other words, there is great blessing to those who patiently accept God's timing and submit to God's will for their lives. And this is especially true, listen, especially true when you're going through difficult trials and hardships with seemingly no end in sight. David had it right when he wrote in Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14, he said, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living And then he says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Church, this morning, as we continue our series in the book of James, we're getting towards the end, just a few more weeks of James. We're going to learn more about what to do when you're waiting on God. And it's through our study we're going to be reminded of this truth, and it's this, the Lord rewards well those who wait. And so with that in mind, let's just bow our heads one more time and pray before we hop in. 
Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to, to jump back into your word today, the privilege it is to preach your word. Lord, I pray that you would help me this morning to communicate your word effectively. That quite honestly, Mike Butesh would get out of the way and that your Holy Spirit would speak through me to your people and that we would leave here, God, just with a better understanding of, of our role in, in, the, in the process of waiting uh, on a movement from you. And so, God, we just commit our time to your care and ask your blessing over it in Christ's name. Amen. You know, church, there's an old saying, variety is the spice of life that gives it all its flavor. In other words, variety makes life much more interesting, yes? Well, over the last few months, our spiritual lives have been made much more interesting because James is no stranger to variety. In fact, over the course of our study so far, we've received instruction on a variety of topics, including, but not limited to, trials, wisdom, temptation, the tongue, favoritism, faith and works, worldliness, submission, drawing near to God, making plans, wealth, and much more. It's been a busy few months, hasn't it, James? Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. You see, the purpose of James' instruction is to provide practical wisdom for everyday Christian living. And it's for this reason uh, the book of James has been called the Proverbs of the New Testament because it's a lot of daily wisdom for your life. And today's instruction is no exception. So let's begin by reading today's passage. It's James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. We'll read the passage, and then we'll talk about it. Follow along with me. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. You know, church, over the last few years, I, find my, I found myself on more than one occasion just wishing that the Lord would come back. Anybody with me? <laughs> as, I've as I've observed the never-ending political turmoil, the national division, the unspeakable acts of evil, the infighting among God's people, I've just found myself exhausted and discouraged and like, Lord, come quickly, right? Friends, when life gets hard, we long for Christ's return. Why? Because we all know that when Jesus comes back, all things are going to be made right and new. However, if left unchecked, our hopeful longing can quickly turn into impatient lamenting, causing our faith to become futile and unproductive. Well, in many ways, this is where we find the Jerusalem church. They were suffering from persecution and mistreatment, and they were waiting on God for deliverance. And their burden began impacting their behavior in a negative way. And so in this brief passage, James instructs believers how to wait well when they're waiting on 
God. In fact, found within today's passage are going to be six practices for waiting well. So let's begin by looking at the first. We're going to go through them relatively quickly. Number one is be patient. We used to sing the song to my kids. Be patient, don't be in such a hurry. Be patient. Look at verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. You know, a story is told of some soldiers who were stationed in Korea during the Korean War. And while there, they hired a local boy to cook and clean for them. But being the pranksters that they were, these guys soon took advantage of the young boy. They smeared Vaseline on the stove handle so the boy would get grease on his fingers. They put buckets of water over doorposts so the boy would get wet when entering a room. They even nailed his shoes to the floor. Day after day, they played jokes on the boy, and he quietly took the brunt. There was no blame. There was no self-pity. There was no temper tantrums. Well, after a while, the men felt guilty about what they were doing, so they sat down with the young Korean and said, Look, we know that these pranks aren't funny anymore, and we're sorry. We're never going to take advantage of you again. It seemed too good to be true, so the houseboy asked, No more sticky on stove? The soldier said, Nope. No more water on door? Nope. No more nail shoes to floor? Nope, never again. And then with a large grin, the boy said, Okay, no more spit and soup. <laughs> Church, in today's text, that word patient, or the call to be patient, actually implies this self-restraint which does not hastily retaliate for a wrong done against you. You see, oftentimes when feeling the pressure of trials or persecution, our first instinct is to want to get even by taking matters into our own hands. James encourages the church to do the opposite of that. He called them to be patient and, waiting on the, and wait on the Lord, leaving matters into his hands. Romans 12, 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Specifically, they were to be patient until the coming of the Lord. Now that word coming was a common term used to describe the visit of a king to a city or province that's within his kingdom. Well, James reminds us, reminds the church, that listen, Jesus is going to come again. And he's going to establish his kingdom on earth. And he's going to rule and reign with perfect righteousness and justice and peace. So just hang on. I love what, how Isaiah 11 describes this. He says, it says this, describing his rule. He says, he will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. <laughs> a lot different than our government, right, right now? He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. Friends, that is the day we're waiting for, Amen. There's going to be a day when Jesus is going to return and make all things right. So therefore, instead of retaliating for the wrongs done against us, we're called to restrain ourselves and wait patiently for the king's arrival. Now, just to be clear, patiently waiting on the Lord does not mean relaxing on the Lord. You see, there are some believers in the church today who use waiting on the Lord as an excuse for not working for the Lord. They don't do anything. I'm just sitting around waiting on God to tell me what to do next. You see, in Scripture, waiting on God often always involves, so not really often, probably always involves working for the Lord while you're waiting for the Lord. And this brings us to the second practice for waiting well. Be productive. 
Be patient, be productive. Look at uh, the second half of verse 7. It says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains. Now, in 1978, the late Paul Harvey gave a speech called So God Made a Farmer, which was recreated into a Super Bowl commercial back in 2013. And this famous speech honored the resilience, the resolve, and the unparalleled work ethic of farmers. You see, when a farmer waits for his crops, he doesn't sit on his front porch swing twiddling his thumbs until they sprout. He constantly cultivates and works the land, making sure that it's fertile and ready for growth. And then he depends on the heavens to make it rain. Well, Augustine said, pray as though everything depended on God and work as though everything depended on you. See, church, this is what it really means to wait on the Lord. As the people within the Jerusalem church suffered mistreatment, their call to be patient until the coming of the Lord wasn't a mere, merely a call to watch and wait. As my grandmother used to say, a watch pot never boils. It was a call to continue cultivating a God-honoring life while at the same time waiting on the heavens for deliverance. You see what I'm saying? It's, not, it's, a, it's more than just a posture, it's a process. Psalm 37, 34 says, wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You see, believers waiting is a productive, it is a posture, but it's also a, a process. Just as farmers submit to the process of producing a good harvest in the field, we as believers need to submit to God's process for producing a good harvest in our faith. And again, this process often involves both working and waiting. Like, we don't give up being believers or Christians while we're waiting on God for deliverance. Especially through seasons of great difficulty. And it involves trusting God to show up at just the right time. You know, one thing that a farmer has to rely on is, look, I, I could do everything I can and be faithful down here, but at some point, I gotta trust that you're gonna make it rain. And that's, that's what a believer needs to do as well. In fact, those who wait well, they actively embrace a Romans 12, 12 attitude. Paul wrote this. He said, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. You see, you're working as you're waiting. And this leads us to the third practice for waiting well. Be protected. Protected. Look at verse 8. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. As most of you guys are aware, September is peak hurricane season. And, and many houses, not this year apparently, but I mean, generally speaking, September is, is, a, is a busy year for hurricanes. And many houses, especially uh, on the southern and eastern coastlines, are purposely built to withstand those storms. For example, houses are purposely built on pillars to help them resist floodwaters. They also have special shutters that act as a barrier against the wind, protecting windows and preventing flying debris from damaging a home. You see, houses that are able to stand firm during the storm are ones that have built-in protection to do so. You know the same is true with our faith? That command to establish your hearts carries this idea of strengthening yourself in such a way that you stand unmoved by trouble. Some of your translations say stand firm or take courage. 
Again, it denotes this sense of resolve and commitment to dig in your heels and stay the course no matter how severe the storm. And the primary way, church, to strengthen yourself is to build yourself up upon the promises of God. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 7. He said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. You see, evidently, there were those within the Jerusalem church who were discouraged and on the brink of collapse because of the the persecution that they were experiencing. Their trials caused them either to forget about or lose faith upon the rock that they had been founded on. And friends, let's just have some real talk. Let's be honest. We've all been there, right? Sometimes when we're in the middle of a storm, we're guilty of doing the exact same thing. We forget about or lose faith in our rock. And it's in those moments that we must remember how we've been built. As believers, God has equipped us with everything we need to withstand the storms of life. Everything we need. We just have to tap into the power that he's given us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We either believe that truth or we don't. He's given us everything we need as long as we trust him. James moves on and he also calls the church to establish their hearts. Why? Because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Once again, he uses the imminent return of Christ as a means of encouragement to keep on keeping on. Of course, the skeptic might look at this verse and say, all right, okay. This book was written 2,000 years ago. And the Lord hasn't returned yet, so James was wrong, right? And the answer would be no. That was a resounding no. He was not wrong. You see, ever since the resurrection and ascension of Christ, church, we have been living in a period that the Bible calls the last days. And at some point within this time period, the Lord is going to return. We just don't know when. You see, Scripture teaches that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. I'll tell you one thing, we are one day closer now than James was 2,000 years ago. So therefore, it was appropriate for James to say the coming of the Lord is at hand, because it was true then, and it's true now. The coming of the Lord is always at hand until the Lord comes. And so for believers who are in need of deliverance, this is an encouraging reminder. Jesus can return at any moment. At any moment. And that should encourage our hearts. Even today. In fact, that's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, he said, therefore, encourage one another with these words. What was he talking about just before? And he was talking about the coming of of the Lord. Encourage each other. This isn't a depressing thing. If you're a believer, you anticipate his coming. You're not afraid of it. And so all this to say, when we find ourselves waiting on the Lord, church, we would be wise to strengthen our hearts with his promises, promises from his word, and let those treasured words of the old hymn be our mantra. 
When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. This leads us to the fourth practice for waiting well. Be positive. Be positive. Look at verse 9. Do not grumble against one another. See, the grumblers, like Dave said earlier, we don't want the grumps at the Welcome Center. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Church, I've heard it said that if you can be cheerful, ignoring aches and pains, if you can resist complaining, if you can eat the same food every day and be grateful for it, if you can understand when your loved ones are too busy to give you any time, if you can overlook it when those you love take it out on you when, through no fault of yours, something goes wrong, if you can take criticism and blame without resentment, if you can ignore a friend's limited education and never correct him or her, if you can resist treating a rich friend better than a poor friend, if you can face the world without lies and deceit, if you can conquer tension without medical help, if you can sleep without the aid of drugs, then you have almost reached the same level of development as your dog. <laughs> you know, it's funny, but in many ways, the character of a dog actually illustrates what should be the character of a Christian. Namely, we should remain positive even in the midst of our problems. A.W. Tozer said, what then are we to do about our problems? We must learn to live with them until such a time as God delivers us from them. We must pray for grace to endure them without murmuring. Problems patiently endured will work for our spiritual perfecting. They harm us only when we resist them or endure them unwillingly. You see, the Jerusalem church had a problem. And their problem propelled them to grumbling and infighting with one another. In essence, they were at each other's throats. Friends, oftentimes when dealing with the pressures of life, we have a tendency to turn on the ones that we love the most, don't we? James was trying to put an end to this divisive behavior by using yet again, yet again, the return of Christ as motivation. This phrase, behold the judge is standing at the door, is a reminder that the judgment of believers, believers, will take place soon. Church, there will come a day when believers will stand before the Lord and give an account for their lives. Now this judgment is not for eternal life, it's for eternal rewards. The Apostle Paul described this judgment in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, but on that judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. You see, one day we will all stand before the Lord, and the quality of our work will be tested. And how sad it's going to be for a believer to stand before God and have nothing to show for it. Can you imagine if you're that grumbling believer that James is talking about? And you just spent your 40, 50, 60 years of being a Christian complaining more than praising God. Instead of speaking uh, to one another with songs and hymns, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, it was just complaining, 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 gossiping. You're going to have to stand before the Lord and deal with that as a believer. 
I mean, how depressing it's going to be for a believer to experience loss of eternal rewards. You could have had all this for eternity, but you lost it all because you were cranky. Church, the promise of Christ's return, along with the prospect of receiving eternal rewards, should be our motivation for godly living, especially towards one another. We're family. We're family. 1 Peter 4, 7 says the end of all things is at hand. There it is again. Was Peter wrong? Nope, it's always at hand until God comes back. Therefore, be self-controlled, talking to believers, be sober-minded for the sake of your prayers, because how you behave is going to impact your prayers. And he says, above all, keep loving one another, you, each other, believers, earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. So all this to say, we're called to be positive, be joyful, and not to be cranky. And this leads us to the fifth practice for waiting well. Be persevering. Look at verse 10. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So just take a minute, guys. Just think about the prophets for a second. You know, one of my favorite um, Christian artists, Ren Collective, they just released a new album. And one of the songs on the album is called Hallelujah Anyway. And some of the lyrics read this. Even if my daylight never dawns, even if my breakthrough never comes, even if I fight to bring you praise, even if my dreams fall to the ground, even if I'm lost, I know I'm found, even if my heart will somehow say, Hallelujah Anyway. You see, church, this represents the attitude of a persevering Christian. And it represents the attitude of the Old Testament prophets, who James used as an example to encourage the Jerusalem church. These prophets of old faithfully endured intense hardship. And despite their persecution, they managed to maintain a hallelujah anyway attitude. Hebrews 11, 35-37 says this, Some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. And the text goes on to say that all of them were commended for their faith. Friends, oftentimes when we suffer on account of our faith, we think we did something wrong. But truth be told, if you're dealing with persecution because of your faith, it's probably because you're doing something right. Warren Wearsby said, Satan tells the faithful Christian that his suffering is the result of sin or unfaithfulness. And yet his suffering might well be because of faithfulness. See, the prophets of old were operating within the will of God, yet they suffered. And the same might be true of you. However, you shouldn't view this type of persecution as a burden, church. Instead, you should view it as a badge of honor. Look at 1 Peter 4.16. I love this verse. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Could be worse. You could not be saved. You could not be a Christian. You, you bear the name of Jesus, and so you praise God that you bear that name. And not to mention, God will bless those who suffer on account of his name. Look at verse 11. Again, it says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. 
You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Church, there's probably no greater example in all of Scripture about suffering and perseverance than Job. I know, although he had some moments of weakness, like we all do from time to time, his overall response to trials gave God glory, and it resulted in God's blessing. Job 42.12 says, And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. You see, the implication for the Jerusalem church and us is, is clear. Whatever hardship or trial that you may be facing, as long as you remain faithful to God in your response, God, who is full of compassion and mercy, will be faithful in his reward. I like what Psalm 30 verse 5 says. It just brings things to perspective. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Just This leads us to the last practice for waiting well. Be plain spoken. Look at verse 12. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Now, at first I'm like, James, what are you doing, man? Like, this doesn't feel like it has to do with anything you're talking about. And all of a sudden he's like, oh yeah, don't make oaths. Cool, man, what am I supposed to do with this? But at first glance, this, this exhortation seems a little bit out of place. But truth be told, there's actually much, it's, there's a much closer link than you might think. Because church, when we become impatient and we lose self-control, we tend to say things that are just better left unspoken. In other words, our tongues run amok. And evidently, this was a problem in the Jerusalem church because if you remember, James spent a considerable amount of time in, earlier in his letter addressing the tongue, didn't he? I spoke on that. And in this case, one of their specific areas of struggle was swearing falsely, either by heaven or earth or even the Lord's name, which is a serious sin in the eyes of God. God James says, don't mess around. Don't, don't mess around with using God's name. Rather, don't be swearing. Just, just be who you are. Yes, be yes. No, be no. And so, in essence, James is commanding the church to watch how they speak because, again, again, we're looking towards the Lord's return. One day, you're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. And it's going to be a bad, bad day for a believer who had an unbridled tongue. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 12. He said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. And so to sum it all up, there's a right way to wait. There's a wrong way to wait. And those who embrace the right way can rest assured you're going to be rewarded. And so listen, church, if God has you in a season of waiting right now, let me just encourage you to apply these principles to your life and wait well, wait well, hang on, hold on a little bit longer, God is faithful. Every song we sang before I came to this pulpit had to deal with the faithfulness of God to come through for his people because he always does in his perfect timing. And whatever, whatever you're waiting on God for right now, whatever you need deliverance from, just know this waiting period will not be wasted. God will not waste this time in your life. 
especially if you embrace it willingly and say, okay, God, I hate this. I don't want this. Lord, I want this to go away, but oh, Lord, in the midst of it all, not my will, but your will be done, and I'm going to trust. I'm just going to trust you're going to come through in your timing. Friends, he will. He will. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, if the Lord Jehovah makes us wait, let us do so with our whole hearts. For blessed are all who wait for him. He is worth waiting for. The waiting itself is beneficial to us. It tries faith. It exercises patience. It trains submission. It endears blessing when it comes. The Lord's people have always been awaiting people. Of course, I think Isaiah 40 says it best. We sang about it earlier today. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. You know, oftentimes we feel like our strength is being depleted when we're waiting on God. Doesn't it feel like that way sometimes? But when we embrace the biblical way of waiting, well, all of a sudden we're gaining new strength. It says we will mount up with wings like eagles. We will run and not get tired. We will walk and not become weary. And so this brings us back to today's truth to remember. It's the Lord rewards well those who wait well. And so as I close, I, I just want to I want to shift gears just a moment and just, I want to address a common theme that we've seen in this passage. I think, I think the count was four times. Today's passage reminds us that the Lord could return at any moment. Isn't that crazy to think about? We don't, we don't, we don't, we're called all the time to think about the Lord's return. We just don't often do that when we're in the muck and the mire of doing day-to-day -day life. But the Lord can return at any moment. And if you're here today and you're a believer, you should be excited about that. But I want to tell you something. If you're here this morning, you happen to come in today, and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I want you to consider the implications of the coming of the Lord is at hand. See, I, I'm not about fluff. I'm about just saying it how it is, so I'm just going to say it. Last time I said this, a little kid got a little upset because they didn't want to die. But here's the reality. We all going to die someday, right? We're going to die. And you're either going to die, right, or the Lord's going to return. One of those two things is going to happen. Those are two guarantees. And in either case, it will not bode well for you if you're not a believer. You see, the Bible teaches that our sin separates us from God. And if you die in your sinful state, then you're going to spend eternity separated from God in a terrible place of torment called hell. And I share this with you, not to, not to scare you, freak you out. I share this because, man, I just, I love you so much, and I want you to understand this, the beautiful message of Scripture. The good news is that your eternal destiny can change forever on this very morning. Think about it. Jesus can come back today, or you may not make it home today. We just don't know, and I'm not trying to be all morbid or freaky, but that's just, that's the reality, right? Say, yes, Mike, you're right. Yeah, see, we all know this. It's okay to acknowledge this truth. God, in his great love for you and I, became a man in Jesus. You say, what is the cross for? That's what it's for. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross taking the punishment of sins, my sins, your sins upon himself. 
And then three days later, he rose from the grave. He ain't dead. He's alive and well. Our Lord is living. And, and because he rose from the grave, he provided a way to receive forgiveness for sins and have assurance of eternal life. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Friends, that is a message that we must never allow to get old in our lives. That's for believers and for unbelievers. Just, if I could talk to the church for one second over here. Hey, church. I just read that by 2040, I think they said, 70%, like, like Christians are going to be in the minority in America. Okay? And yeah, that's, that's terrible, right? But you know whose job it is to change that narrative? It's our job. Okay? Now, I, look, I understand that God is ultimately the one that's going to change hearts, but the church has to get serious about John 3.16. We have to. I'm looking at my kids, and I don't want them to grow up in a Christianless America. Now, America may never return to its quote-unquote former glory, but I tell you what, there's a lot of hearts in America that can change if we just get the gospel into the hands of people. Our kids need us to step up. Now, back to everybody else. Back to, to, to my, my main point here. Friends, those who believe in Jesus need not fear death nor his return because in either case, we have this blessed assurance of going to heaven when we die. It all works out for believers in the end. It's going to turn out just okay. On the other hand, those who don't believe in Jesus, listen, you have everything to fear today unless you believe in Jesus. Why? Because John 3.36 says, whoever believes in the Son, you have eternal life. <laughs> Celebrate that. But, but, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, and the wrath of God remains on him. So it all comes down to this, friend. Do you believe in Jesus? To receive forgiveness for your sins and have the assurance of eternal life, you must admit you're a sinner, repent of your sin, asking God to forgive you for your sin, and believe in the person and work of Jesus. Just put all your trust in what he did on the cross. It's an act of faith. A lot of people think you've got to work for your salvation. That's not true. It's an act of faith because you can never work hard enough to gain God's favor. Salvation comes by faith alone, through grace alone, and Christ alone. So you just... Really, Mike, it's, it's really that simple. Yeah, it is. You, you have to place all of your faith in Jesus. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I just want to end with this. The coming of the Lord is at hand. And if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, make sure you figure that out. You get right with him this morning before you leave. If you'd like more information about what it means to receive Christ, you can mark an anchor, you can do connect slip. You can speak with me after the service. You can speak with the person that brought you. Or you can grab an information packet uh, right over here after the service as well. You can pray with the prayer team who will be available after the service. There's multiple ways to leave here knowing for sure. Let me encourage you to do so. Now at this time, I'd like to invite the praise team forward as we close in song. And for everyone else in the room, just kind of meditating on what it means to wait well. I want to encourage you, this next song is just going to be an affirmation and a reminder that, that all the trials and tribulations that we face this side of heaven is going to be worth it when we get to heaven. So keep on keeping on. Give whatever it is you've got going on in your life over to Jesus, even now, and trust him to come through for you. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for the book of James. Thank you for the practical living, the practical wisdom it gives us for, for everyday living. 
And God, as we deal with so many trials and tribulations and storms in this life, help us to stand firm upon the rock by which we have been built. And that rock is your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to long for the day and anticipate with great expectation your return or when you call us home, because what a beautiful day that will be. We will be welcomed to a place where there's no more mourning, nor crying, nor death, nor pain. And Lord, we cannot wait for that day. Until then, help us to be faithful as we wait on you this side of heaven. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.